0: Hey, Blenders, on this week's episode, we break down the Golden Globes. We talk about coming to America, and we have Robin Wright and Damian Bashir on the show to talk about land.
1: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Hello,
0: Blenders, and welcome. Welcome to episode number 155 of Real Blend, a podcast that refuses to record until someone buys us a bottle of Coke. On this week's show, we are reviewing the Golden Globes. Coming to America is coming to your screens somewhere soon. And Robin Wright and Damian Bashir join us as guests on the show to talk about their new film, Land. My name is Sean O'Connell, the managing editor at Cinema Blend, and one of the co-hosts of the Real Blend podcast, joined as always by... Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hi, Jakey. How are you?
2: I think in a, in a what is it? 160 episodes. That is the most inside baseball. 155. That is the most inside baseball opening joke. They are all inside ever, Yeah, but like this, <laughs> this joke is in yeah. reference to not only a conversation that yeah. we had before we started recording, yes. but also to a very specific moment that only happened <laughs> to like a, a certain number of us. Of the, yeah. Like it's. Like, like, even I barely get it, and I'm like two-thirds of the joke.
0: And the other person is uh, Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hi, Kev.
3: Hi, Sean. I feel like, uh, Gabe, I don't know if this is something uh, we should talk about off the air, but I think it would be a good idea. Since the jokes at the beginning are becoming more and more inside, we should have, like, a, a um, some type of prize for a listener if they can figure Ooh. out what it means. Like, I don't know what the prize would be, like a shirt or a mug or whatever it would be. But, like, not every week, s- maybe once a month. And, like, something, and we say it on the show. All right, Sean just made this intro joke. Okay. What do you think that means? And okay. whoever, the first person to email it and get it right. Get surprised. I'd okay. say this
4: is an off air discussion. Yeah, I agree. All you.
3: right. I don't know. I think that, that joke. We want to I, I give away it, some merch. I don't know that anybody would even get that. Like, no, but, if I don't somebody, think so. but if somebody actually figured it out. Yeah, yeah. And, and and then we don't say what it is until the next right. week's episode. Right. And we say, all right, yeah. did anybody actually get it? And if no one got it,
0: cool. If cool. anyone gets whoa, that joke,
2: whoa. I will sign a copy of Release the
0: Snyder Cut. There are people who listen to this show who also might have received a Coke
3: okay all right so here's what i'll say with no giveaway this week but i yes. would love for somebody to tweet us if okay. you could figure out what movie sean okay. was referencing we're not going to give you any clues it is a movie and there's no it, prize whatsoever there, there's no prize, not this week not this week. but if we can get some traction on this yes so um right
2: now gabe is going
3: oh god can we can we at least just say that the, the, the joke you made yes. is about an award season movie oh yeah of course okay
0: that's part That's of why we're, gonna say. we're doing the Globes and we're going to be doing... Uh-oh. What happened? Something
3: something fell. Hold on. I'm right okay. back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'll get to the housekeeping while he's doing that. If you are watching us on YouTube, hello! Thank you for watching us. Uh, we get dressed up just for you guys. Go down, hit subscribe, turn on your notifications and that way you can watch us um, do all of our interviews. In fact, this week, Robin Wright and Damien Bashir will be uh, on video talking to us about their film, Land. If you're listening to us where you get your audio podcast needs met, uh, there's uh description sorry <laughs> i got like totally flummoxed there is text in the description of where you were listening to tell you where to go over to the youtube channel and to join us and to watch us um visually and of course uh go to youtube.com backslash real blend podcast to follow us there we also have a premium subscription uh, bit.ly backslash real blend premium if you want to get real blend premium Episodes, which we drop every Monday. We have a weekly poll that we ran last Friday, and in this one we said, okay, this, this isn't fair. Uh, Jake, we asked the listeners, what is your most anticipated March release? And uh, we included Zack Snyder's Justice League. So I shouldn't even really mention what else was there, because um, the Snyder Cut kids found us and <laughs> made it their mission To drive up the score. So let me just say that out of... Hold on, now I clicked off of this. There we go. Okay, out of Godzilla versus Kong, Raya and the Last Dragon, and Other, what do you think won? Oh, Godzilla. Godzilla did. Yeah. 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 14.8. Okay,
2: I was gonna ask, so I'm assuming Snyder Cut got what, like 80%? 77.
0: 77% of the poll. And even if the Snyder Cut community had not found it, I'm pretty sure that of those choices um raya no uh raya R- R- zack snyder's justice league probably i am not i had some of this fruit that kevin sent me and it's got me loopy uh yeah. so i need to refocus myself before the show that continues is the
2: the oldest old man phrase you've ever said on this show i had some loopy? fruit i had some fruit and i'm feeling pretty loopy about it <laughs> pretty loopy um, you need a nap old man it'd be funny if, if the
3: joke i made on text about what you ate was real yeah. and i and, and i didn't know it and it's... <laughs> yeah anyways
0: Should i also read to them what was this in my show card for four people
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um the others that were mentioned for the march releases cherry got a lot of love and we'll be talking about cherry as it gets close to the streaming date um remember anything else like oh a lot of people put in falcon of the winter soldier yeah. Which uh, I guess I,
4: it counts these days. It's a release. I was general about it. It's a release. It's not it's a, a movie. I mean, it's going to be. Come on, play by the rules. It's a big pop culture release these days. We're,
0: we're going to get, um, within like a two to three week span, the WandaVision finale, uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier start, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, Raya is going to drop as well, too. Have either of you guys seen Raya? We're going to talk about that later Kevin in the has. show. Aren't we? Kevin um, has, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we'll so talk about it later just, in the show. Yeah, um, I, I turned down the junket after I didn't get invited, and then Cherry. Uh, <laughs> so that that happens all the time. It's hard hard to participate in something when you don't get invited to it. Uh, and then a film called Land that we have discussed on uh, previous episodes. Beautiful new film from Robin Wright, uh, who's directing it and starring in it and co-starring with Damien Bashir. And they swung by the Real Blonde podcast to talk to us about filming out in the wild um, and actors who work with actor-directors and Robin Wright uh, and her aspect ratios and her camera lenses. Great, great conversation uh, that we want you guys to get to right now. This is Robin Wright and Damien Bashir talking about their new film, Land.
5: Hi.
3: Hey, Robin, how are you doing?
5: How are you guys doing? Good, Fantastic. good to see you again.
3: Thank you for the time.
5: Thanks for you, having us.
0: Damian was talking about how difficult it is to turn over a performance uh, to a director and an editor and to trust that they're going to pick the best the best performance the actor gave on that day. <laughs> no, yeah, and, and we were saying
6: that the, the thing that you, you guys would be surprised that uh, the thing that Robin has in common with all these heavyweights that you mentioned before is that they do consider y- your input and, you know, they listen to whatever you have to say about this take or that take, you know what I mean? We didn't have the luxury of going, you know, for a million takes, which I always prefer to go for very, very, you know, a few takes and, uh, you know, but shouldn't in 29 days that that's, we, we had to move forward fast and uh, but pretty much, you know you you trust each other it's a, it's a it's a leap of trust you know, and uh yeah. and they know and we know you know actor directors that's what they have they have this b s radar so they know when something's off and we know yeah. when something's not there so let's do another one means we don't have it yet
3: yeah. Well, listen, I want to thank both of you for joining the Real Blend podcast. This is a filmmaking-focused podcast where you like to dive into technical details of performance and direction. Uh, Robin, I'm going to start with you because the, when I spoke to you for the television junket, one of the things we got into was the was the really unique aspect ratio you shot this film in, and Bobby Bukowski, and uh, you know, an amazing DP that you have, the one six six to 1 ratio, um, which is, you don't see it as often. It's like it's super tall, very thin bars on the left and right of the screen. I know we discussed it during the television junket, but since this is more of a filmmaking podcast, I was wondering if you could dive a little deeper into the choice of that as a filmmaker and a storyteller. It's such a tall image. Uh, you get so much of the beauty of, of, of the Wyoming setting uh, in, in the story. So I wanted to talk to you about that as a filmmaker and storyteller.
5: Uh, well, you nailed it. It's Tall is the word. Um, you know, we talked about why not anamorphic? Because this feeling is not what you feel like when you're in nature you feel that and we needed to see all of it. And that was the only format we were going to achieve that with. Right. Where you get, like you say, put the bars on the side, just so the majesty, the epic nature of that place where we shot, I mean, Alberta can't, there's nothing like it. And I just didn't know that we were going to have it translated if we didn't use that ratio.
3: Yeah, are there films of yours looking back that you wish you had a wider ratio on as a as a performer? Like, I know director makes that decision, but like, could you imagine like having like a taller ratio on Forrest Gump or any movie you've worked on? Like, like I know that was shot super wide as well. So
5: that's a great question. Wow, I'd have to go back into the archive, and you know, it's funny because um, this was something we had to adhere to on the Netflix show House of Cards. David Fincher set a template. We couldn't use certain lenses. Um, oh. We couldn't use handheld camera or cam. Oh, wow. wow. So, and always, always, always get your 18 or your 25 lens and get mm. that still master shot of the White House residence. things like that. Um, so maybe that influenced a lot of what Bobby Bukowski and I talked about when we were doing prep was this one thing that Fincher gave me, the only thing, because when I started directing the show, I couldn't sleep at night, I was petrified. I called him at like 1130 and I was like, give me something. And he said, I'm not gonna give you anything. You're gonna find your style and it's gonna take time, but you're go on your own. I was like, God damn you, that, that's just not fair. That's still so not fair. And he goes, okay, before I hang up on you, I'm gonna give you one thing. He said, think of a fraction and write behavior over time. Wow. Clay. And he hung up on me. And I was like, wow, <laughs> oh, great. I, now I thought I was you know, really not gonna get any sleep. And I stayed up all night just tossing that around. And when I woke up in the morning, it came to me, right? It's a no brainer. So when we're talking about tall, big frames, you need all that behavior in that frame. Who cares how long you hold on the shot? That's the time. Mm. If, it, if you're focused on that behavior and people are leaning in, sit there for five minutes.
0: Wow,
3: that's wow. awesome. Awesome, thank you for sharing that, That's <laughs> so cool. <laughs> for, for both of you
2: guys, since you've both had the opportunity to direct, obviously both of you have worked with just legendary directors in your career. And I'm sure that there's a lot of behavior that you've picked up on that you've thought about when you were stepping behind the camera. But what's something that you remembered that you learned what not to do an important lesson on what not to do when stepping behind the camera for both of you.
5: Materials, Damien?
6: <laughs> what well, not to do? Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think there's any rules, you know, of right or wrong. It's just about the feeling you have into it. And the, the film I directed, I wrote it myself, so I knew exactly what to do and how, and why, and the character that I played. You know, it was it was like a. Pfft, um, very easy to uh, decipher, you know? And uh, so the only thing you should never do, I guess, is to go back home without trying something else if you feel that you have to try something else. Mm. Mm.
2: Robin, what about you? Was there anything that uh, when you stepped, you were like, okay, I I learned this, and and a director did this, and it ticked me off, therefore, I'm absolutely not gonna do this.
5: well the yes, yeah, a two-part answer because there is one big beef that I've always had, <laughs> being in this industry for over thirty years, um, is when a director starts a sentence with the word "don't." Mm. <laughs> just talk about a—that's just a killer. You just, no you, you know, you say "don't, don't move your hands like that." When you say that, well, now I'm just going to move both my hands because you said that to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> There was that that I learned, and I, I'm hoping that I can master that as a director to, to just give the positives, mm-hmm. give something active to play, because mm-hmm. um, that shuts an actor down to say, don't do that, or when you do that, it looks ugly. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, great. OK. Um, mm-hmm. But the one thing that I learned off directing myself in this movie uh, don't feel egotistical when you say, we need to get another angle on me.
1: Mm.
5: We need to get another take or get the, get the other lens out because I need coverage. And I didn't get enough coverage on my movie because I just was so dying to get behind the camera again. I was like, okay, let's quick, do the take. And I couldn't wait to be in the director's chair, you know? <laughs> so I ripped myself off is what I'm saying. Wow.
0: Wow. <laughs> Uh, One of the conversations we were having uh, with Damien before we kicked off all this is just the reception of the film, you know, and and how it's been playing really well with audiences and and the feedback has been incredibly great. Um, There's something that the three of us do that I find really funny is that whenever we embark on a project, just our own little individual projects, we do like part of it and we immediately share it with each other. Um, whether it's a chapter of something we've written or, you know, we're editing something and we immediately want to show it to somebody for feedback. I'm curious for each of you, uh, since you've both been filmmakers, do you have that compulsion too? Like do you immediately want to like cut some scenes together and show it to a trusted colleague or just someone whose advice you take? Or do you really want to wait till they're done? And especially under the circumstances of this film where you were racing the clock and trying to get it all in, did you have opportunities where would you even want to show just like bits of it and sort of ask like, is it working? (laughs) Like, What do you think? (laughs) You go first.
6: Absolutely. Absolutely. You need a great team around you, you know, to make a film. The director doesn't make a film uh, alone. You know, what what you do as a director is that you bring the best artists in every department and then you let them collaborate and you let them bring in, you know, their ideas and then you choose between this and that. And of course, you ask for whatever you're dreaming with. But basically, yes, this is, this is a sharing, a constant sharing experience, you know, you, 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 you want because you trust the people that you command you know, that you call to be a part of this ship. Mm-hmm. And since you're the captain, you have to let them know, you know, there's an iceberg there.
0: Let's try to go this way, right?
6: <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and that's pretty much what, what you do. But yes, it's a constant collaboration type of uh,
5: thing.
0: Robin, you felt that way too?
5: Yes, completely. Mm. It's, um, it is about the collaboration because we're all architects of the same building. Mm. And it's about trust. But If you have trust in the, in the team, that is what I call your backbone when you're in front of the camera and behind the camera, um, it, it's all about trust. Mm. Trust that what we talked about a year ago in pre-production, were you speaking my language for real? Because I felt you were. It's that kind of thing,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Um,
5: and obviously, we all know, right? The more time you have to have discussions and say, well, "I don't really know what you're talking about," you want to show me a reference, show me a frame in a movie. What do you What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. That kind of clarification, I think, is really important because you think cognitively. We're speaking the same, right? And then you get on set, or you get in the editing room, and you're like, "Wow, we really weren't." Yeah. I'm um, sure. So we got to do a lot of that, Bobby Bukowski and I, um, watching movies and sharing what we were speaking about verbally, sharing a visual to go with it, wow, so that yeah. we knew when we got there, we didn't have to waste time because I was in the hair and makeup trailer for two hours. Mm-hmm getting edified, as we called it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, with all the hair and the thing and the wrinkles and the. um, So he would have to go set the shot. Mm. So, again, you had to have trust that that he was taking notes.
3: That's awesome. You know, Robin, you said something very fascinating just now about being in the industry for 30 years and all like all the work that you've done, all the incredible films that you've made. And we're in a very different time right now with film, filmmaking, and just kind of where we are with the pandemic and theaters and things like that. Uh, I'm thankful that your film actually hit theaters before going to streaming. I think that was a brilliant move. I think it, I think that theatrical window should still always be there before going to streaming. It's just personally how I feel. I went and saw Tenant four times in IMAX during the pandemic just because I just wanted to get out of the house and go to a theater to see a film. Um, just want to get your thoughts on the future of the industry. And, and this release structure is what I'm kind of hoping that we see more of, where you're giving the choice for the audience to go to the theater first, then they have the streaming option or PVOD option later. Um, but what are your thoughts on where we're going to be? Do you think we're going to end up in some kind of middle ground? Because then you got HBO Max and Warner Brothers releasing at the same time on streaming in theaters. So what are your thoughts just in general on that?
5: I think that it's, a necessity to keep this industry alive. Um, you know, and that's the beautiful origin of it. It's the it's the collective experience of sitting in a theater. There's nothing like that. And I hope that we will be back to some kind of normalcy where we will get to have full capacity in theaters. But this platform is working. They, they've, right, they've studied it since tenant. Let's see what numbers we can do in a the theater, even though it's sometimes 25% capacity. And yes, it's gonna segue into PVOD. We're all used to that now anyway, that's the upside. Mm -hmm. We're used to having liberties that we didn't have before streaming, right? That Netflix, House of Cards was the first show to be like this, we're gonna give the customer who pays monthly what they want and when they want to watch it, they have mm-hmm. all the freedom in the world. So that is the beauty of this new medium. Oh. That, that it's going to hold. But please, let's not give up the theater, right? We just pray. Oh. Mm-hmm. that's why I love this whole um, drive-in theater thing they've been doing during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Have you guys gone? To I, no, I've been
3: going. Yeah, yeah, I've been going to real. Theater. I haven't. I didn't go to a drive-in, but I've been going to actual. theater. have you gone to drive-ins?
5: No, nor a theater. So you had to be masked. And is it, did they take seats out of the theater? Like literally yeah, physically I, remove them?
3: Yeah. For tenant, it was like, it was like you said, 25, 30%. And my wife and I went, you wore a mask the whole time. You could remove it to eat popcorn and then no one sat next to you. And it was, it felt safe and it was clean. Like I felt like the theaters were actually cleaner now than they've ever been <laughs> before because they have to be, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Oh. Uh, Rob, in a time where we're getting you know
2: three-hour Marvel movies and, and Martin Scorsese is turning in you know three and a half-hour The Irishman, um, which was a masterpiece, which was great by the way, um, this movie was definitely on on the shorter side. I, I never I never really look at what the running time is before a movie, um, and uh, and I remember looking at my watch when this movie was over. and I was like, oh wow, that that movie was quicker than I expected it to be. And I'm just sort of curious as to, as a storyteller, as a filmmaker. Where the runtime is in the back of your mind as you're directing, did you sort of go into it knowing this was going to be on the shorter side or is that just how it ended up by the time you were done telling the story?
5: I think our our assembly was probably two hours plus. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Because we had so much more footage that we shot, scenes actually, of her past. And I found in the edit that it just took me out of the movie. Emotionally, like Mm. you're on this journey with this woman, what happened, what happened, something happened. And then when we would cut to those conventional scenes, it was like departing and going to another film. Mm -hmm. So my movie really was like not even an hour 30. Yeah. The producers had to call me and they're like, can you put a few more frames back in (laughs) of Miguel? You, nope, we need a longer frame of Miguel back in there because literally it was at like <laughs> one hour and 22 minutes. And they were like, you're you're qualifying as a short film right now. You're not going to be mm. seen as it. So we had to literally add frames or hold on that mountain shot longer just to make oh. 130.
2: Oh, would you ever put those other scenes, you know, I, in, in a time where we're talking about like the Snyder cut of movies, it, was there, is there ever like a, a cut of this movie, the director's cut, or a way that we would end up seeing those extra Re- scenes? Release the right
3: cut.
5: Yeah. <laughs> release the right cut. No, I don't want those scenes to be there. What I love about this structure um, is that the mystery is held until the very end. Yep and that these two characters, he doesn't just give to her, she gives to him, redemption. And I just thought, why, in the original draft, the, the movie opened with the unfathomable event. You saw it. Mm. And that's the way to cut it, you know?
3: I'd rather not, I'd, I'd, I like the way you did it. I liked, I liked being curious the whole time as an audience. It actually kept me more immersed in, in the environment. And I would also, to Jake's thing, an hour and a half—it's a—it's a heavy hour and a half in the sense that like it—it's it, every moment matters. It's weighted. Every—it's not—it doesn't like feel like it's quick. It just genuinely feels like a great story, and I think that's what Jake was saying yep. in that sense. So like we think it's a really great thing that you did it that way. Yeah. So very well,
5: cool. Thank you.
0: Glad you Damien, dug it, <laughs> Damien. We're um, running out of time, so I'll end it on on this one aimed at you. Um, and and to sort of bring this up because this is a film that you know as much as I enjoyed it, the Midnight Sky felt like one that I just really wish I got a chance to see on the big screen. This. So much of it that, that warranted the big screen attention. Um, it was so compelling. Absolutely. You, you know, these, these two films, Land yeah. and
6: I mean, any film, they, a film is designed and made to be watched on a big screen. So we will see more of that. You know, this this will be temporary and uh, we will overcome this situation and then we will go back because it's not only because you appreciate it better, In a big screen but it's also the communion the communion uh, part of it the fact that many different human beings made the plan to be in a certain place at a certain hour Mm. and be there Mm. to share this experience together and it's it's i grew up in the theater so that's to me the most fascinating thing you know actors and spectators they wake up this this uh, that morning knowing that we will meet at 7 or 8 p.m. at this place in an event that will not be, you know, shown again. So a film, you can watch it again many, many times. But that, that communion that happens right there with, among other people, and then when the lights go off, you know, that's a magical moment. And that's exactly why, you know, we miss that so much. So, yes, I'm,
0: I'm, 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 I, I want to see those two
6: films on a big screen.
0: Uh, and just to sort of build off of that, too, one of the things that we we're talking about, you know, leading into the interview, and I want to get you on record is talking about it, of of actors who are directors and working with Mr. Clooney and working with Miss Wright, um, the difference of it. If you could move forward and only work with directors who are also actors, what are some of the uh, the enhancements, the benefits that come with uh, having somebody behind the camera who speaks your language as a performer?
6: Oh, Lord, I, uh, it's it's always really great. You know, we actors, we know what we love and hate. And we know exactly, you know, what a pain in the neck, uh, 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 you know, certain type of directors can be, right? Yeah. And, and, and sometimes, you know, we were, we were talking about how, you know, sometimes your work is, you know, actually completed or destroyed in the editing room, right? Sure. And, and when you see a director that, that that's like a, a million shots um, a, a thousand uh, uh, different coverages from this and that, and then they go back to the editing room and try to build a Frankenstein, I, I I'd rather have, you know, like a boom, give me the chance to boom, go into this now, like that, boom uh, just a few takes uh, uh, you know, and, and then we can do our job better, you know what I mean, so Chris Weitz and um, Quentin Tarantino George Clooney and Roman Wright, God bless their hearts, I want to work with those guys again Because we know exactly what we love and hate. And they have this in common with Brittany Scott uh, uh, as well. And Steven Soderbergh, the guys that I have the fortune to work with. They provide all the tools that you need as an artist. Not only you as an actor, but everybody around in every department. They provide
0: any tool you need to perform your best. Wow. Well, we cannot wait to see what you guys do next together. I'm very excited for it. And thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You can check out Land in theaters, and we'll uh, send people to paid VOD when it's available there, too. Thank you so much, guys, for joining Real Thank World. you, guys. Good to see so you guys nice again. Thank for having us. Uh, we would love to thank Robin Wright and Damien Bashir for coming by. Make sure you guys check out Land. It was in uh, select theaters. Might still be in select theaters near you if you're able to go safely, and it'll be coming to streaming uh, soon. Kevin?
3: By the way, I mean, can I just say how crazy it is that we had Robin Wright on our show? And I mean, it's like really kind of a big deal. Like, I mean, she's a massive, massive star. Yeah. Um, and like the fact that she just casually came on our show for 20 minutes to talk filmmaking. Um, and that Fincher story was awesome. Like, just like, can you imagine? I, and speaking of Fincher, I know we're going to get into the Globes at, uh, in, the, in the show here, but I mean, can you imagine just being on the phone with Fincher? It's just what I I feel like he's such a we don't know anything about him. You know what I mean? Like, we never hear really hear from him. Right. So just the idea of him being on the phone with Robin Wright talking about aspect ratios and (laughs) film is just like that conversation happened and we didn't know about it until now.
0: And the best part, too, also with Damien Bashir, like he just name drops directors that he's worked with. And I I just forget. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, Quentin and Ridley, Ridley Scott. He, like, pops, and also, too, like, he like
2: pops up in movies, and I forget that he's like, I didn't know. I don't think this is a spoiler, but he's in Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla yeah, versus I just Kong. Saw and I was, that. Like, and I was like, yeah. but where the hell are you doing in this movie? Like, he's in, he's in every. And also, um, I, I don't yeah. know if I don't. I'm assuming we did probably didn't put this part of the show. He was on our video call like five minutes before Robin Wright oh, joined, yeah, yeah. and yeah. just like was shooting the shit with us about. He was just like talking to us like 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 buddies. Yep. Really, nice he's really cool. Very yeah. cool guy.
4: This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse.
0: All right, uh, talking points. This is weird. Um, uh, We're going to talk about my book. So my book is out, and it's called Release the Snyder Cut. And yay, we all have copies of it. And Kevin and Lauren did an amazing thing today. They sent me a really nice gift, and I can't thank you guys enough uh, for it. So if you're watching us on YouTube, this is the cover of the book. Uh, For people who might be listening for the very first time, hello, welcome. Um, I wrote a book about Zack Snyder's Justice League, which is coming to HBO Max. It drops on March 18th, and this book talks about the fans who fought for three years to get Warner Brothers to change their mind. And, and that's me with the Batmobile. Um
3: I, Justice League still makes me laugh. Is That name. <laughs> I, it's so perfect. God.
0: So I'm going to give the boys an opportunity to ask me questions um, that they would like to uh, in a junket style. And then we'll quickly move off of this. Um, I'm good. But... Okay, yeah Thank Jake
3: you. Jake interviewed Sean live on Good day Chicago I actually do have a question so the book uh, and this is something I was telling you about yesterday like there's something about the weight of a book the way it feels the yes. length of it um was there was it ever longer than 204 pages without Ooh. the without the index was there is there a is there an O'Connell cut is there, an O'Connell the book?
0: <laughs> there is not I'll, I'll tell you what there was a a chapter that I had to pull out completely because after Zach announced that the cut was coming, the chapter didn't make any sense. It was the it was the first chapter in the book, and it was all about an event that took place in Pasadena that was called SnyderCon, um, or he, it eventually became known as SnyderCon, where he did director's cuts. He showed director's cuts of his movies, and after the BVS director's cut um, screening, he did a Q&A where he essentially laid out what his five-film arc was going to be, and it was during the signings after that Q&A that he was recorded on screen for the first time with someone's cell phone camera of saying, I have a cut of the movie. Uh, it's done. It's just up to Warner Brothers if they're ever going to let us show it. So I used that as a catapult into the story of the Snyder Cut of, hey, here's the time when Zach confirmed that it existed. But him announcing that the cut is now coming made that entire story... <laughs> useless and what sucked is that i spent months working on the first chapter of the book because it's your first chapter you want it to be like your first introduction into the story and then from the time that he announced the cut until the time when i had to turn the manuscript and i only had like two weeks and i needed to then come up with a good opening and i ended up just ripping that whole chapter out so it would have been a little bit longer
3: but is there like a is there a science to like knowing how the book's gonna feel with a, n- a number of pages? Like, I, had you gone like three hundred pages, how different? Right. Like, in the sense of like, I, like does the publisher talk with you about the process of how it's gonna print, how it's gonna feel in the in the in the, on the in the customer's hand? Like, there's something about I don't know. I just always wondered how that works with the. With you the publisher. have,
0: I'll tell you. This is based on my own opinions. Maybe other people have different experiences you get no communication with the publisher whatsoever <laughs> uh it wasn't until very close to the publishing of the book that i realized it was going to be paperback and not hardcover i actually thought oh, it was going to wow. be hardcover
3: uh um, i like the
2: paperback yeah i do kind of like the paperback too yeah. i do
0: too but who doesn't want a hardcover right sure. like and something about holding it now like i wish i had more pages. it feels oh, I like it it feels thin, right? Like no, it I'm holding up. I'm holding up. This is. A... Says the guy
4: who reads Stephen King. No.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this feels is the Stan thin. Lee uh, biography that just released recently, and I'm about to dive into it. And it is 400 pages, roughly, with all the yeah, stuff. But
3: Stan right. Lee's story. This is this is a story that took place over just a few years. It is. And 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 this is this is this is leading up to the film. Yes. Like had the film come out, and like already come out you could have added like more to it with the completion of the movie but this is literally the story about how it got released it is but yeah it doesn't yeah
0: i'll tell you one other thing too um when you're writing a chapter a major concern of yours is that the longer it is and maybe i need to get over this the longer it is the less interesting like i have a hard time maintaining someone's interest over the course of that, like I would be big into like breaking it up into multiple segments or just making chapters shorter. But now that I see it laid out in pages, like some of these chapters are five to six to seven pages long, right? And I don't know if that's too long or too short. I have no idea. I've never seen Dude, it before. So, so I
3: I got a book delivered the other yesterday with my Snyder Cut book yeah. uh, by Derek Derek Delgadio, the guy who did In and of Itself. Nice. His book is only two hundred and thirty-five pages. Okay. Then I, I guess that's I, kind I, of average. I actually think that we are in a time period where shorter books make sense because I think that our society. I mean, think about Twitter, for example. Yeah, we get stories in 180 characters. Like, I, I, I genuinely do feel that we are in a time now where, like, this is such a like. If I pick this up, I'd go, "Oh man, I could knock this out in a, you know a couple of days." And like, like, I, like if I have a daunting 700 page book in front of me, there's sure. a mental block that makes me like, ah. I don't know if I want to dive that into that. You know what sure. I mean? So yeah. for me, it's 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 perfect. Well, thank you. I, I always thought, by us. the way, I thought your publisher's name was Applesauce until I got the book, by the way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. I, I, I don't think I realized it was applause. And so Tracy like... Morgan <laughs> and the winner is Sal.
0: <laughs> I got Superman and Batman on the spine. That's Damn. what I love about it. The, the Wait. bat.
2: Oh, the, and uh,
0: Aquaman's on my spine. He is also, there, too. Yes. And he a little there. bit of Wonder Woman. And
3: bit. you interviewed Snyder for the book, by the way. People need to understand this. Like, there's an interview with Zack Snyder in this book,
0: which is. is really cool. Um, it it, after the yeah. cut was announced. Right. So, so he got to go yeah. in depth about that. Jake, I have a question. You have a
2: question. For you. Yes. Sure. Um, so March 1st, we're recording our March 3rd. March 1st was the day that the book actually came out. Yes. Um, and we've kind of, I feel like we've all sort of been on this journey for multiple years now. Because I remember you initially telling us. That you came up with this idea, right. and and then obviously you get to go visit the the, the Zach Snyder set of Army of the Dead, and so it it really feels like this incredible journey. I'm curious as to you you had to have imagined what March 1st or at least the release date was going to be like. You've had to right. like you know if you write a book you you that's that's the day you're most looking forward to. Yeah. Now yeah. that it's done and you're a few days away from it, how did March 1st differ or live up to your expectations of like what the first day was going to be
0: that's an awesome awesome question um and i'll tell you about march 1st and march 2nd march 1st was completely overwhelming um in every sense of the word i got a a a steady stream for the entire day because from the time i wake up at around six o'clock Um, I get people who are in Europe and the UK who are following the Snyder Cut stuff. Like I, it is a daily routine to wake up to messages from people in the Snyder Cut. Um, so I got, I woke up to people from Germany and France and Spain, sending me pictures of them having copies of the book, um, which was amazing, you know? And then it was just like a steady stream throughout the day. People were sending me their Amazon tracking. Um, I was getting updates from, uh, a lot of people who took who got photos of themselves holding the book a lot of people who were telling me their books were being delayed both of you guys ran into that situation as well too where the book was delayed for different reasons and again this goes back to me not having no conversations with the publisher the publisher so i've been told that my publisher puts out a ton of books and so they just don't give you the hand hold you know the hand-holding situation that i would love constant feedback from them right and i don't you don't get that at all it's just you're out on an island kind of thing um but it was a it was just an overwhelming positive experience um and it was amazing to see the book going out to so many different people and it's weird because i couldn't go to a bookstore to like go see the book if i put i put it into barnes and noble and it told me that the closest barnes and noble store that was getting it was in winston-salem which is about 45 miles away and i wasn't going to drive there to go get it but i was getting updates from people who said like i went to my barnes and noble and it was the last one on the shelf and i got it so i knew it was in stores and that was overwhelming and then we went out to dinner as a family to celebrate i had said to michelle this whole time like we're going to go out to dinner on monday and we're going to celebrate and um we got a bottle of wine and we had a really great time and then tuesday was the come down tuesday was the day that just all of the emotion of the past couple of days just came crashing down on me. And I couldn't, I couldn't get right yesterday at all. It was a weird, what do you mean? I couldn't focus on anything. Um, I couldn't, I tried to do work. I couldn't, um, I tried, I was getting messages from people. I couldn't focus. And I just, Kev, you kind of must know this. Like some days you're in it and some days when you're not. And when you're not, I think it was just the high of Sunday and Monday that yesterday was the weirdest fucking day, and I couldn't tell where I even was, sort of thing. You know that and sounds so, like
3: a little bit. Remember the uh, remember the end of so I think psychologically speaking, what you're going through is not not the exact same reason as this, but I think it's similar in the sense of what you what you feel. So you had all this built up right to the release date, and yeah. it's like now it's over, it's out. So it's like it's like now you don't now it's just done from yeah. that perspective. Remember the scene in Soul when he plays the show? Yeah. And then he walks outside and he goes, oh, okay. And like he thought that was going to be like the biggest thing ever, yep. which it was great. But at the end of the day, like his life goes on after that moment. But your le- your whole mind is like, oh, I'm leading up to March 1st. And then it's like, you know what I'm, I don't know if I'm making the right comparison No, you
0: here. are nailing it. Do you know how I'm saying
3: like, how he felt at the end of that movie? It was like, not that like, Cause his was more about the dream of like playing with that musician and like that was going to be the pinnacle for everything. And, but it was, but it's weird because leading up to that moment, that's the one goal you're focusing on. And then once you reach it or Jake, I feel like it's similar to like when we have an interview, we're really looking forward Mm -hmm. to, and then it ends and it goes really well. And you go, Oh, cool. Well, I would always compare it to
2: um, (laughs) like whenever I'm like working on a, on a news package for, for my morning show, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of thought goes into, Putting it together, and you know you do your interviews, and you spend a lot of time editing it, and you're super psyched, and you're telling everyone about it, and then the day comes, and it finally makes the air, and it goes out, right? And your producers go, "Thanks, Jake, that was great." Coming up next yeah. on Good Day that, Chicago, that, and that's it's just, just like how it goes, yeah. Why, yeah. And then and then your your boss is texting you like, "Hey, what do you got tomorrow? I need to know for the teases." And you're just like, "Yeah." All of this work that you put in went into like three minutes for it to you know like and then and then to a, like there is a degree of like you come crashing down. Where you're like, well, like. There's that. Okay, That's it. in our
0: society where everybody truly is on to the next thing, like you guys are right that this has been a two year journey, right?
3: And, 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 and now it's out.
0: And part of me feels like Monday was was it, right? And now, like, no one will ever talk about this again. But <laughs> like,
3: see, the the difference is the movie hasn't come out yet, so you actually have a unique situation where your book's going to have legs in the sense that like books do have legs, but like in the sense that like, okay, your book's out and then now you have 18 days, 17 days until the movie comes out. Then the, then the movie comes out. Then people are going to, then people who didn't even know about the Snyder cut movement who find it on HBO max. What is the Snyder cut? Oh, there's a whole book about it. Cool. And then they go back and find it. I think your book's going to have a, a a longevity to it. Uh, Yeah. but, But, but the release of it is the, the actual fact that it's out now that's the crash down that you're feeling is like, yep. oh, I need
2: a listen. I need no. a
4: listener to start a real blend out of context uh, Twitter account and just put books have legs. Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: sandwiches, sandwiches are a feeling. Sandwiches are a <laughs> feeling. <laughs> 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 I know, Sean, Sean, to your point, I, I think actually I think it's almost the opposite of what you're saying, because it's not that um, people aren't talking about it anymore. I would say that it's just that. You don't really have as much to talk about anymore because your process is over, but yeah. now everyone else is talking about it because because before no one really knew what was going to be in the book or no one you know so no one else I'd argue was really talking about it. now everyone else is talking about it because it's in their hands. like you said yeah. in your post, it's theirs now. It's not yours anymore. so I think that what you're feeling is just that you you can't aren't do, do anything about it anymore it yeah like there's, no, there's nothing more for you to say. I know Wait, it's been
3: hard. I have one more question before we move on. How yeah. the hell did you not know that you were releasing it on Zack Snyder's birthday until the day before?
0: Well, how is that possible? The book was supposed to come out February 15th and right? I, I had no control over that date either. They really just tell you when they're going to put it out. Um, and then I had no control over the delay. They they just moved it to March first on me without telling me anything about it, and then you never realized be,
3: it was the day his birthday. Of his, it's so I realized it shortly
0: after they told me, and then someone said like, "Oh, that's Snyder's birthday," kind of thing. But I've I had no wow. input into the days that it was coming out.
3: That's the craziest mm-hmm. coincidence I've ever heard in my entire life.
0: That's a huge one, and so is the fact that the Snyder Cut movie is coming out in March. Also, like, I mean, that's even, the point
3: of the first chapter
0: and even when i wasn't yeah 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 everything about everything happening for a reason even when they knew that snyder's movie was coming out you know in 2021 of some point and hbo max wouldn't tell us when it was my publisher was like well we're going to come out in march and even if it's november hey at least we're ahead of it kind of thing because you know hbo max could have said like it's going to be quarter four for whatever reason um and then they said March 18th. And you guys remember, it wasn't confirmed until like two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Because
2: so that's one of the reasons they pushed back Godzilla a week.
0: Yes. There's so much about like, we're all used to, especially you guys with TV and us with the web, we're used to immediacy. And everything I've learned about the publishing industry is that it moves like Ooh, a Oh, that sloth. would drive me
2: nuts. Dude, oh, yeah. that would drive me nuts. It's, it's like the worst part about it.
0: It's the worst part about it. I mean, people don't understand. I've read a couple of people who have written stuff about this book um, who are like, well, there's so much... It's not in it. How come he didn't touch on all the things? I was like, I turned this manuscript in last July. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that happened in it. But the but the way that the publishing world works, you have to turn your manuscript in so much earlier. This is why you don't write a breaking news story in book format In, in, book, format. Yeah, in book format. So um, So anyway, it's out. And if people want to check it out uh, in the U.S., I would like to send everybody to bookshop.org, uh, which is a really great website that will first off find a locally owned and uh, independently owned bookstore in your market if they're not carrying it right now uh, they can order it for you and bring it there and a portion of the proceeds go to that bookshop i believe too Um, and if you want to find it internationally there's another website called book depository that ships to a lot of different places overseas uh and that's enough out of that let's get to the golden globe reactions um i thought that that show was was unwatchable uh, by every definition of the word. And I, it made me realize that through no fault of the industry itself, like this year's awards crop just is not compelling. It's I not think compelling.
2: that's a, bi- a big reason why ratings dropped. I don't think it had anything to do with the Zoom angle because I actually think that the Emmys pulled off the Zoom angle pretty well a couple of months ago. And the whole idea of, and I don't know why the Globes didn't do this, but like the Emmys every like potential winner had someone standing outside their door with a with an emmy you know like they, they really played into it so but I, I agree i think it's just that no one cares about the movies that are nominated this year and i think well, me... i think we're about to see our lowest rated oscars ever
0: yeah i, I think so i, yeah. I think
2: could, because i don't think anyone cares about the movies like like is there really like a massive fan base for nomad land out there that really wants to see it like win best picture
0: any of the films that you mentioned that are potentially in the running, Trial of the Chicago 7, Minari, Nomadland, uh, One Night in Miami, they're all good films. They're they're good films across the board. They have zero interest. Like, we were having a conversation after the Globes of just like, please God, can Sacha Baron Cohen and Borat get nominated? Because that's at least a movie that people seem to legitimately care about um, and want to pay attention to from an awards perspective. Whether it's Defy Bloods, uh or even promising young woman you know they're just they do not move the needle um i don't understand this aspect of why can we not pre-record the show why can't the the elements of the show be pre-recorded and properly produced that
2: that they're going to try to pre-record sag are they but then but then don't you run the risk of uh the winners leaking who cares i kind (laughs) of care do you? Yeah. And like like if the if the winner of the Super Bowl got leaked, like it's sort of like, oh, what's the point?
0: This was a little bit interesting in that for the first time, and I don't know how much you guys paid attention to this. I was watching the Globes and we were covering on a Cinema Blend, and I was paying attention to social media. And there was a decent amount of people from our industry who were tweeting like, why in God's name are you guys even watching? Like it almost felt like the tide turned... Against the concept of an award show, even. Mm. Like, why are we even doing this? Kev, you saw that?
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, it was unwatchable. Um, it was, um, I will say, though, on a, on a, on a technical level, I was really impressed how they, were you? How Tina Fey and Amy Poe, no, no, just, just one thing. The, the Tina Fey and Amy Poehler uh, side by side and chemistry and there was like no delay. Uh, I thought that was really, very well done but didn't um, they feel
2: unnecessary to you like why couldn't they have been together
3: oh i'm not saying it was on unne- i'm not saying it wasn't unnecessary i just found it to be really well done from a production standpoint just that part of it i mean there were so many massive problems with the show technically, like the first and acceptance speech yeah got, and I, and like daniel kaluuya, daniel almost, kaluuya. almost got kaluuya. screwed
2: over yeah
3: right but i will say when tina fey and amy poehler I, I love the gag of her um, that of i her did laugh at that. That, that's that's yeah, that. that was, that was funny. Was... Um, but I thought, I, I, I thought that they, that was well done. But uh, I really like the first
0: responders in the audience. I like that. Yeah, yeah that, that was cool. Was cool. Like yeah, that. There were some cool
3: things. I think the worst decision that they made, which made me uh, actually, I think, was the reason why it was painful to watch was that bit they were doing when they would go to break and they would put the five people on screen together and have them awkwardly oh, interact that, yeah. with each other. And, like, they were, like, and none of them wanted to do it. Yeah. and they well, none of them just,
2: seemed to really know what was going on. It like, was like, hello, yeah. hi.
3: Yeah, it was, yeah. It, that was so painful. Yeah. And like, it actually made me cringe. Yeah. Like, I wanted to turn my TV off. I, in the first time in my, like, I think in years, I went to bed in the middle of it. Did, Did you? Really? I didn't stay up for the whole thing. I went to bed in an hour and a wow. half into the show. Well, I had to get up at 4 a.m. the next day just because I had to drive to a location for work. Yeah. And I was like, this is not worth it staying up for it and losing sleep over like that right. that's what my mind i was like i'm not doing this so, right. i mean i woke up the next morning i knew i knew all the winners immediately yeah um and i i, I that's not really common for me i usually watch the show until the end the oscars all of course watch until the end but the globes i was just i was just over it to be honest with you and honestly that and show. it made
2: me kind of miss ricky gervais like i just like i missed Kind of that biting commentary I missed, you know, because that that is always one of the benefits of the Globes, that it seems to, like, more than any other award show, make fun of the nominees. And I felt like it just wasn't, like, being able to cut to, and like, you know, like, make fun of celebrity, and then camera cuts to that celebrity being made fun of. I miss that. I miss that a lot.
0: I just don't know. I don't know why we need award shows. I'm really starting to feel that way. I it's don't okay. get it. That's
3: that's I, I think mean, that's, that's a little, a, little yeah,
2: dramatic. that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a reach. Like that's that would be like someone coming to you Sean and being like why do we need sports?
0: Like they're um, fun. Like are they think, like yes, You think
3: no, like, I love the I love watching the globe. Yeah, I love, I love award shows. I do. Now, I I'm, I yeah, I I think that's a bit of a reach. I'm losing to say.
0: interest. I'm losing. I'll interest.
3: say though, but like that, but Sean's not wrong in the sense of like every award show is down. The but Grammys you cared are down. so much the more A- last Grammys. year. Oh, it's not that we don't. It's not that I don't care. It's just that like in this particular, uh, I'm not with Sean on that. I actually like yeah. the the award season. I, I mean, I watch. You know, when I when it comes to the Globes and the Oscars, I watch all the pre-shows, all the red carpet stuff. I mean, it's a whole, it's like a sporting event. I mean, that whole day I was watching Globes coverage and Mm -hmm. and, uh, the Zoom interviews that, you know, E! and and, uh, whatever this network that aired the show. Um, Was it NBC? NBC. NBC. Yeah, so I, 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 for me, uh, it was just the production of the show, aside from, I think, the Amy Poehler, Tina Fey delay bit, which I actually Mm -hmm. thought worked really well. um, It was just, it was just unwatchable. But it was also like, like, I saw some tweet about this. Like, we, uh, we've known since last year that we're in the middle of a pandemic. How did this not get yeah. sorted out technically right. better? Yeah. Like, how was it yeah. not designed better? Yeah. Like, I, I, I kept thinking to myself, who was the person who came up with the idea to have those nominees on screen interacting every commercial break? It was yeah. That was honestly one of the most pain. I felt so bad. Did you see the one with Odenkirk? Odenkirk was trying to like get everyone to talk at one point. Yeah, like it was yeah, just yeah, really, yeah. just I just felt like what do they what do they say to the celebrities? Hey, just have a normal conversation, and, and we're gonna we're gonna bring you on the air here. It was like really awkward. It was extremely it, awkward. But
2: but I think a big part of it is that we just don't like any of the movies or love any of them because I mean keep keep about, take take us back to this time last year. We were talking about. You know, once upon a time in Hollywood, and the like, like, like Brad Pitt was up against Al Pacino, was up against Anthony Hopkins, was up against Joe Pesci, and and we were super jacked that Brad was going to win his first Oscar, and like mm. the the Joker was a part of the conversation, and and was Joaquin Phoenix going to finally win? Like, it was just so much more like this time last year, we were all
3: so jacked, and now but it's sort of like, eh, like that's also a sign of the times, though. We're I mean, we're we're clearly in a very different world, but at the, the, the same time. There are a lot of films that I loved on that list. I mean, Promise the Young Woman was brilliant. I mean, there are, there are some. Mank, are you as
2: excited? Yeah, and I would soul. love if Kerry Mulligan won her like won her Oscar. That'd be great. But like, are you as jacked about any
3: of the awards as you were about Brad winning his first Oscar last year? Well, Tenet's not up, so no. Like, like the, like the film like. that but I like genuinely the movies that we loved love. last
2: year were up.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like this year, I mean, listen, I love Soul, and I and I was telling someone this the other day. I think that. When it comes to Soul and Minari, I think they were. Uh, wh- what is the? What did the word? Uh, uh, um, Daniel Kaluuya say? You're doing me dirty. Yeah. Like I feel yeah, like yeah, those yeah. films yeah. did not get the proper. Like I almost felt like winning animated, winning foreign language film were did a disservice to those films. And, I, yeah. and what I what I say by that, I mean by that is Minari is clearly an American Minari, film. Yeah. Why? Why is it? In? I don't, it, But <laughs> it even you know what critics Shorts did sense. it too.
1: It it's, in, make any it's in sense. the Critics'
3: Choice Foreign Language. Minari is an American film by an American filmmaker. Um, I, I, uh, um, but but going back to uh, the animated series, like like watching Soul win Best Animated Feature and not even be nominated, and I, I, I get the Golden Globes rules. It just made me, it made me feel like like they almost like it almost like diminished the film a little bit for me from the from from an audience perspective. Like it, they, those two films are which are two of the best films of the year weren't even competing in the major categories. Right. Um, and then, I mean, I don't know if we're going to get into, are we going through who won or just having a general conversation? <laughs> just general conversation.
0: It. But if there's a topic you want to get into, I'd like us to the discuss Andr- like yeah. front runners eventually.
3: Well, the Andrew Day thing was was uh, was surprising. I um, was that,
0: genuinely yeah. shocked. So was she. Yeah. yeah, it's a bad movie. It's, it's, it's a really but bad. She's film, great, but like, she's was, great. Yeah, and did you notice know right.
2: she? I didn't realize this. She's the first black woman to win that category since whoopi goldberg won for the color purple oh my god yeah. wow like really? I, think then, that, I
3: think that's 35 years i think like it's it's crazy it's a crazy statistic and then chloe was the second director in, in the 80s plus year history of the globes second to win female yeah. director and yeah, then yeah. barbara streisand won in 83 so. for yentl right so okay. um i the andrew day one was that's the one that i was like surprised by because at the end of the day no pun intended um her <laughs> Her performance is phenomenal, but that's a really bad movie. <laughs> it's a really bad
0: but this is film. also the
2: organization that
3: nominated music for
2: Best Picture.
0: True. Well, but let's talk about that category for a second then, because Carrie Mulligan is, I would assume, getting a lot of attention. Yeah. yeah. We watched Nomadland on Saturday morning because Michelle hadn't seen it yet and she wanted to watch it. And I'm—I was reminded, that I, and I think I'm severely underrating *Nomadland*. Like it truly is a phenomenally made film. It's—it's it's it's very subtle, yeah. and it's very low key, but it is extremely, extremely well made.
3: I think Jake and I have the same problem. David Strathern ruins that film for me. He, takes, he,
2: ta- he does take me out of it,
3: and honestly, it and I prefer scene chewing. Like I prefer Daniel Kaluuya
2: in *Judas and the Black Messiah* what? over the subtlety. of... But I, I think, think Francis, Francis and Carey. So I think they
3: split the vote, and that's good. why I went to Andrew Day. Or, 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 or or Kirby and Mulligan.
2: I I don't don't think Kirby's getting the support. I think, I think she's a surefire
0: nominee, but I don't think she's. And Viola. So it almost feels like, you know, there are some strong contenders pulling a lot of votes away.
3: So Andrew won because, because all, because the votes were so split between the four probably. Because, and what's interesting about Nomadland is the whole bit of Nomadland is that you're supposed to believe that she's living this lifestyle, which she was for real. Like, I mean, she was traveling around for months and I think it was seven states and shot over four months, whatever it was. Um, So she was living in a car and everything. I mean, what you're seeing was pretty much method acting, right? To a point. It feels
0: documentary style.
3: But the issue I have with the film is once you settle into the suspension of disbelief and you believe that Frances McDormand is living this lifestyle, when Strathern shows up, it, I literally went, "Oh, it's the guy from Good Night, Good Luck." Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm watching a movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, okay. it, it, like, I just feel like that was a weird decision. Like, I feel like that decision, like, from a storytelling standpoint, once you're that deep in the story, I know they meet him yeah. early on, but when you're once you're that deep in the in the belief of what you're watching, like little things like that, I think it's as a director, it would be
0: a little bit like if Kevin Hart showed up in One Night in Miami. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Or like, or like, um, or like, you know, Tom Hanks randomly, or Tom Hanks shows up in the middle of Nomadland, yeah. like, like, you know what I mean? Like, just yeah. like, like yeah. in the like, out of nowhere, a famous, and you know what's interesting about David Strathern, which I think is why it's even worse, is that he's one of those guys that he's a that guy, mm-hmm. like you go, you know, oh, like most people go, oh, I know who that is, I don't still know his name, you know what I mean? He's like his name is sure. super famous, so like it's almost worse because then you go wait what do i know that guy from? oh 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 wait wait oh he, was, yeah oh he was in yeah. this
0: oh, oh wait wait, wait. Who maybe that? they me, thought he would blend in out. just yeah. enough but he's <laughs> he's too famous he's he's famous enough that you're like yeah i he's know too.
2: He, he's
3: too famous to blend in
0: right yeah right, right, like, right. i
3: feel like if someone like sued, like if kevin hart showed up in nomad land like <laughs> okay I, that i, I want to <laughs> see I, that would be like it would be, yeah but that would be like just jarring this was yeah. like this was almost to a point where i'm like yeah anyways so that's my um... so
0: what are the front runners did we get any front runners it feels like nomadland is is positioned in the spot to to lose but well, i think picture and director and i'm not even just saying that from the globes well we also I don't think think we
2: have critics choice this weekend
0: yes and i don't um, think that the globes are a, a decent indicator of where correct. the academy is going because it's just the hollywood foreign press association i have theory
3: i've said it on okay. the air before i on our show before i think defy blood is going to win best picture
0: it hasn't won anything up to this point
3: it wasn't nominated at the Globes true I think Five Bloods is going to win Best Picture at the Oscars okay Chavik's going to win uh, Actor that, that, that's are we, are we all in agreement I, that that's done now unfortunately I, I do now have
0: to agree with you. Start starting to, to I'm starting to agree that, that he's he's it's a lock one awkward. of the greatest performances be,
2: yeah.
3: I've ever seen
0: in my I just, entire I just I don't, oh I don't
2: like I think he's very good in the
3: movie but I just don't I, it, it, that, that performance does not do it for me the way it does it for you Oh, see, I when I first saw that, I was sitting in my car in a, at, at a turkey farm. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, I was doing a live shot at a turkey farm for Thanksgiving. What? It was a Thanksgiving segment that they had me doing a local turkey a turkey farm. Um, and I was sitting in my car, and I'm like, I have an hour and 40 minutes in between my next live shot. I'm going to throw in my Rainey's. And I was so blown away by what i had just experienced and i didn't have any right to be i was in the middle of my car it was Is freezing it outside exactly
0: how the director wanted you to see this <laughs> film
3: <laughs> in a turkey farm on thanksgiving <laughs> in your the car the reason why it was a big deal was because the tr- the performance was so damn good that it, i forgot where i was i was locked in yeah to what he was delivering and then i watched it again at home uh once it came out that performance that I actually think, like I genuinely believe, that he gave every single thing he had to that performance. I gotta, get back. I gotta
0: revisit every,
3: it. Dude, I just think I think it. she's better revisit. than he is. I don't, I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, I love Viola Davis, but damn, Chadwick is amazing in that movie.
0: Uh, what about actress? Any? Uh, Do we think Andre? Day. Gets a uh, boost from this. Uh, I think she gets a boost to She'll potentially get, get that
2: that
3: fifth nomination slot, but I don't think she wins. Okay. See, I don't know because now, like that. I mean, uh, Globes aside, and whether or not they they predict anything going forward, that does change the conversation for sure. Like the Day, her on it people's radar her. for sure, right? Yeah. But I think you have a whoever said this. I don't know if it was Sean or Jake. I think it was Jake. Um. We, there's so much vote splitting happening mm. now, because if you think about it, like, OK, Carrie Mulligan and Francis McDormand, I guess you would consider the two front runners, front runners right? Yes, that, yeah. that makes so. sense. So if those two are splitting the votes, because, you know, McDormand's getting a ton of votes, you know, McG- Mulligan's getting a ton of votes. Yes. Um, I mean, I theoretically, is going to get some. Andra Day could win. I mean, I don't think she's going to. Right. But but if you think about the vote splitting, but the Academy, I feel like loves McDormand. I don't know. Does Mulligan have the love for like from the academy? i I'm, that because I think out of all the performances in that list, she's the best, I, right. hands down. I've, I mean, that performance is unbelievable. But does she have the love from the academy? Like, do, is she well liked enough in the in the sense of the academy? Because McDormand's almost like a golden child, I guess. In, you the, know,
0: it, this, she gets the the repercussion of a lot of people saying like, "Oh, Francis is always this good." It, it's a little Meryl Streepy, right? where you Before just she like, already
3: won yeah yeah, yeah. Or, and people yeah. almost
0: take her for granted so she doesn't yeah. get it this will be a very telling and we could talk about this next week when we get back together if what if for whatever reason andre day um ends up winning critics choice like all of a sudden she's got two in a row yeah kind of thing then you start to really pay attention to how much right. because then that marketing team kicks in and and keeps her on everybody's radar. yeah if so. that
2: if that you know, you, you strike while the iron's hot. I, but I she's got you guys. fifteen
0: other nominees yeah. to go up against because yes. we nominated eleven 1, hundred people in the Best Actress category. What, <laughs> what, what wins Best so. Picture right now? No Madland. I think it's No Madland. I really I think do. So too. I really. Do think it's Nomadland. No. It's a great okay. movie. It's a really good movie. I, I like don't Nomadland. love it. Yeah, I don't, I love, don't it. love it, but I'm telling you, it's very good. Yeah. Can just Kevin No Madland
2: the... or Chicago Seven? Which one's better? Which one would you rather win?
3: Ooh. <laughs> no Mad good man, choice. I yeah, no don't oh, love Chicago 7 like good you choice. guys. Well, Chicago
0: 7 doesn't love you. Chicago 7 <laughs> like, has a polish on it. It really you does. I polish. love it, but it has like a polish it. on it.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. The, the polishing on Chicago
3: 7 is not good enough
2: for the Academy that said the best picture was Green Book. Oh, Alex, well, you I mean
3: come on? I mean, you have to remember, guys. We are talking about at award shows that really don't ever deliver in in our eyes what we think is the best movie. No. I mean, like when it, like when you're thinking of like Nomadland and Trial of the Chicago Seven, like those are both four out of fives for me. I like yeah. both of those films. They're very they're solid films. Um, so you guys, right now, I think I actually agree with you. I think Nomadland. See the five bloods though might pop in. Dude, I, don't know think, I don't think I don't think the five bloods I'm not it.
0: feeling that. I i wanted I want to, it's great, but I'm not feeling I'm not feeling enough love for that collectively.
3: Chloe wins director. I think so. Yeah, I think that's done. That's that's done. All right, so Chadwick actor. Yeah. That's done. Uh actress works in the air.
0: Kind of crazy. Yeah. Actress is uh, a little is, all place. Is
3: Kaluya done? I think so. I hope okay. so oh uh, we're about to live
2: in a world that makes me happy that might be yeah, the, cool. the category that I'm most excited about we're about to live in a world where Danny Kaluuya has an Oscar What about supporting won supporting actress? actress
0: who won over Maria Bakalova at the Globes
2: oh, oh uh, Jodie Foster weird.
0: that was that a was weird, weird win yeah, yeah that was that a strange win sense. no that doesn't make any sense
3: I, I will say that I liked seeing Jodie Foster um, I liked, I liked the, the shot from her at home with the dog yeah. it was really cool terrific um, speech yeah. yeah, great speech. Um, she's a pro. She's, she's, done it she's a timer very
0: too. good in the Mauritanian, but no one's talking about that movie. She, at all. She's great
3: in the movie, but yeah. the movie's not great, no. unfortunately. Um, but I uh, and then and then actress, uh, as we already discussed that. So yeah. basically, I, I, here's my hope, and I know we'll move on. I hope Borat Two gets a Best Picture nomination. That'd be great. I, that'd be really cool if it does. I think Maria Bakalova definitely gonna get nominated i would love to see her win i just don't know if they're gonna again it goes back to the whole comedy discussion um Mm -hmm. about that stuff so i mean like i remember melissa mccarthy got in for bridesmaids which was a really big deal at the Mm -hmm. time that she got nominated for an oscar um for a for a comedy um but yeah i don't know we'll see
0: we shall see all right this week in movies uh land as we talked about with um Robin Wright and Damien Bashir hits VOD release. We reviewed this on episode number 153. If you guys want to jump back and see it. Uh, Amy Poehler has a directorial film called Moxie that's hitting Netflix. Kev, I saw Lauren was all in on this one. She did the interviews for it or did she check it out?
3: Yeah, yeah. So she, so Lauren uh, did the junket for Moxie. Um, I've seen it. It's actually really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a element of Mean Girls uh in it, um, in the in the sense of, but it's a really big film about female empowerment, and and I think it, um, it's a really really great story in that sense. Uh, you know, we've seen high school films before, but I, I and again, I this is not a film that I actively just like. I watched it with Lauren, but I mean, I didn't watch it for critical sense. Yeah, so I was yeah, just yeah. kind of like passively watching it. There's some really great. There's a great wonder in the film that was really interesting. Um, I thought. I, again, I think Polar is actually. I think she's building a nice resume. I mean, I know that Wine Country, that was like a fun Netflix film she did, but I think she's trying to become a, 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 better, a better director, but also a doing more films herself. I think she loves directing.
0: So uh, she oops. has a cameo part, or she plays a role in Mean Girls. She's the mom who gives the, girl she's, she's, the she's the cool mom. Yeah. 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 Does she's, Tina Fey um, pop up in Moxie? No. That's a good question. No, oh, but she's but she's, she
3: she's Rachel McAdams' mom, right? In she is, mean yeah. Girls. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but I mean, from what I saw of it, I really enjoyed it. Um, it, it's, it's definitely a young adult audience, uh, okay. for sure. And, uh, it's right, fits right into the films that Lauren covers. And, um, because she's, got she's got that been market covering a down, lot of stuff. Man. She's yeah, got that market she, down. Lauren's got that whole young adult market down. Like she did it Behind Her Eyes, which became a big hit for Netflix, and then what's the other one? Did you guys see the, the Taylor Swift tweet about Ginny Ginny in Georgia, whatever that show uh-huh. is? Yeah. No, look yeah. up this story later on. It's pretty wild. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh either of you see Boss Level
2: on Hulu. No,
3: but I've heard but I love Joe Carnahan,
2: and I want to see it, and I've heard good things.
0: I have heard really good things about that also, and I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't tease it out, because I thought that it was I want to say that it played at a festival somewhere and did really well. It's, um, what's his face? Frank Rolo, right? Mm-hmm. And Mel Gibson. Okay. I will check that out for sure. It's on Hulu um, and hitting this Friday. Uh, Boogie. It's a basketball film. Anyone seen Boogie? We did the junkie. Lauren I actually watched Boogie
3: the other day. Um, did you? Yeah, because Lauren did the junkie for that one too. And huh. I saw about 15, 20 minutes of it. The director's from the DC area. I think his name is Eddie. Um... Eddie something. I can't remember his last name. It's the, um, it's but, the guy that
4: created a uh, fresh off the boat.
3: Yes, right? exactly. Oh, cool. Um, and, uh, and from what I saw, it was really well done. I mean, it's okay. shot really well. I mean, again, I haven't seen it enough to give a full review on it, but Lauren had it on the TV the other day. I saw about 20 minutes of it and the lead actor, I think it's his first movie he's ever done. And he was awesome. Like he was, nice. I, I, I bought into it for sure. It was shot really well. Um, so yeah,
0: Jakey interviewed Daisy Ridley for chaos walking. How's her film? Mm
3: it exists
2: <laughs> yeah
0: it didn't look good
2: it it has a beginning it has a middle and most importantly it has an end
0: it does
2: it does it's one of those movies it's if you if you look at the trailer and, and you see tom holland and Daisy ridley and think man they look really young it's because they filmed the movie 54 years ago uh they <laughs> yeah. filmed it a long time ago uh, apparently there were uh pretty infamous uh, uh, audience test screenings which caused them to have to come back and reshoot a lot of it uh, okay. this movie was supposed to come out i think it was supposed to come out in 2018 um and so it's just now coming out uh it's it's just you know there it, it, have you ever uh it's based on a series of books it's based on a trilogy so this is the first book of a trilogy do you remember after the first hunger games movie came out and it was a hit yeah. all of the studios kind of started buying up the like young oh, adult God. dystopia, yes. you know, yes. and like, and there felt like there was the divergent series and all that kind of, yes. and, and, and it, they all just kind of, and even like the hunger Games series kind of got old really fast. This feels like one of the movies that would have come out <laughs> in the wake of yeah. like, like, no, it's not as good as hunger games, but like we all kind of went and just bought a bunch of rights to like, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so not only does it feel old because like it, like, it, it like it felt like it would have felt old if it had come out 10 years ago. And now it just feels like, what the hell is this? It's, and, and the idea of, and I know that I'm, I'm glad, Kevin, that you focused in on this as well. There, the idea is that men have come to this planet. Well, men and women have come to this planet. But for men, your thoughts are, like, verbalized out. Yeah. Like, you, they're, they're audible. And they're, sometimes you can even physically see them. That's, like, a really interesting idea that I'm sure in the book like read really well. Sure, sure. Didn't uh,
4: Taraji it, P. Henson do that movie already? She did, yeah. Well no, yeah, I know Gibson. Gibson. Yeah, no, I <laughs> yeah, Mel Gibson did it first. Come yeah. on. Yeah.
3: Come on, Gabe, get your shit together. Which by uh, the way, what women want's a great li- movie. It's
2: pretty funny. Yeah, I like what women want. It's, uh, I like it's, it's, Hunt too. B- but but as I am yeah. watching this, it's just it that that bit got old really fast because well. there is not a moment of silence in this freaking like that, like you're just, there's just so much audible, like because I get that's the point. You, you're in a scene when there are like 50 men in the scene, and so you're gonna hear all of their thoughts going on. It's just, but it does not translate well, and I got really annoyed by it. And uh, yeah. Kevin, I think you got really annoyed by it too.
3: Yeah, I got Jupiter ascending vibes on
2: that oh. one. Uh, do you think they'll give? Uh, <laughs> do you think they'll give the safties the sequel?
0: Okay, I'm trying. To,
3: I'm trying to find the joke here. Hold on. Just always noise constantly. You
0: can hear
5: everyone's thoughts oh, okay. Everyone, okay. Every, everyone's thoughts. Okay. is a Bad pun. I Took me a too. second. I, I, I was searching
0: <laughs> for the is. pun. Wait, it hold was... on. I have to not to drill down on Chaos Walking because it's clearly not a movie we want to focus on. Is there a story beyond the gimmick? Is there a villain? Is there a mission? What? What's oh, the, oh, oh, oh got Bashir is in it. <laughs> <laughs>
4: That's
2: right.
0: <laughs> no, he's.
4: It's asked. actually
2: a pretty stacked cast. Like the like the villain is is uh, Mads Mikkelsen. It's got Damien Bashir. What? It's got. Uh, uh, who else am I missing? Oh, it's got um. Kate uh, who, Who's the incredible actress uh, from *Widows* and uh, *Bad Times at the Air Royale*? Dakota
0: uh, Johnson? No. She, oh, she, uh, Cynthia Revo. Cynthia Revo. Oh, she's
2: in it. Uh, oh, it's 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 a pretty stacked cast. Wow. And that's, so, uh, that's unfortunate. yeah, like, like so, Daisy Ridley is a surviving. Uh, I guess person that, that crashes onto the planet and sees yeah. that there's, there's already a civilization there that that showed up years
3: ago and they've divided up into factions and it's it's, it's
2: a whole deal. It's, I don't want to ruin it. What's for crazy world.
3: about the reshoots, by the way? They sh- they shot the movie in 2017, and then Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland both went off and like I think I know Daisy Ridley for sure finished Rise of Skywalker before she came back and shot the rest of this. So like it's really kind of crazy if you think about the time frame of it because like she's shooting. So if you think about it, she shot Force Awakens, right? And then she mm. shot this, I think, then Jedi, then Skywalker, then came back and did this. Ugh. I think. Um either she may have done it after Jedi, but she did it she did it definitely did it after um Skywalker, which is insane. Um, last night talking,
0: when yeah. when Michelle went to bed, um I stayed downstairs and I had Disney Plus on and I put on the Rise of Skywalker and I watched the <laughs> last I watched the last 25 minutes. Ugh that movie is a piece of shit
3: (laughs) no it's not you're so insane it's not that
0: bad it's i like rise of skywalker dude it is so bad it's so bad she has an i am iron man moment like i have no idea how they went back and refilmed and gave her she even pauses the way Downey does where he does the and i am iron man and snaps (laughs) she does i am All the Jedi. She puts her hands together. I don't know how they did that. They had to share the scripts with each other. It's so bad. It's unwatchable. I'm sorry. It's terrible. All right. Uh, Disney has Raya and the Last Dragon coming out. Kev, I know you uh, watched some of this. I have not been able to watch any of it yet, but all of the buzz around this movie is that it's incredibly good. Um, And I cannot get excited to watch it. Nothing about the previews makes me excited to watch it, it feels like a like one of those weird one-off Disney animation ones, like a Treasure Planet or something, where you're just like, what is going on? What is I this I like Treasure Planet. Oh, I don't... I barely remember it. But someone... There's a great Goo uh, Goo Doll song. Someone on our staff said that they loved it more than... First off, this girl, Samantha, who is a diehard Disney fan, said it's her favorite Disney animated film ever, ever, she said, of all time. And said it's better than Moana, which I think Moana is a tremendous film. Moana's great. And she said it's better than that. So I don't know. I'm going in with high expectations uh, based on this. And my expectations are higher than they are for our last film this week in movies, Coming to America. Now, I'll go first because uh, the boys went and they don't love it. Uh, And I went in with very low expectations and I liked it a little bit more than they do um but it is a it's just a missed opportunity like i just feel really bad for it um it's it took a really long time to get this sequel made and i don't get why they made it um it's a it's a lot of recycled jokes it's it's basically the big beats from the from the first movie the the notion of coming to america i think i think i think they're in america for 15 minutes (laughs) tops (laughs) it's mostly set back in the in the african kingdom um I admire Craig Brewer. I, I think he's a really good filmmaker. I like his movies. Um, I think there are some funny bits, but again, they're funny because they were funny in the first movie. The barbershop bit still works. Uh, the chemistry between Arsenio and, and Eddie Murphy still works. But I didn't watch it. To, to, to do the comparison to Borat 2, when we got Borat 2, I was like, who the hell needs this? What are we doing? Are you Are really doing another Borat movie? And then I laughed until I fell off my couch. Um, coming to America I was like oh, are we really do we have to and that's how I felt the whole time watching it I was just like this isn't so it, it is what it is it's going to be on Amazon you know you don't have to go out of your way to sort of see it I think people have gone with low expectations it'll be okay but I don't necessarily either you guys feel like defending it more than I have i mean
2: I, I I think the original coming to America it's thirty three years old. I still think it's one of the funniest comedies ever made, hmm. and the jokes still land. a lot of the jokes still land um the The jokes in this sequel it's uh there a lot of them are just kind of reflective of like trends right now, and you know, like like you know uh Prince Hakim trying to figure out like what the cool words are to say with his kids, and like hmm. that word like whatever that cool phrase is. And you know, and then and then the da- yeah, then the daughter's be like, "Oh, dad, no one says that anymore." But like, in t- in thirty years, thirty three years, like that joke's not gonna like no one's gonna remember what that like. There's nothing about this movie that's going. I mean, one, it's not really that funny now, but there's nothing about it that's gonna age well or be that funny in thirty three years, which just makes you wonder then why. Like it took you thirty three. Like you've made like eighteen different Beverly Hills cops and and professors, and like it took you thirty three years to come up with like this. This is this is what we waited thirty three years for. Like I just wish you'd. It's you know I just wish they just left it alone.
0: Also, find it interesting too that we've seen plenty of examples. Like I'll go back to Bad Boys for Life. Like that's a franchise that didn't need to be revived. You know, even if you're getting the original stars back, but they figured out a way to make it relevant. It's still it was exciting and funny and good. So I'm not saying that you can't revive these properties. You absolutely can. Um, Kev, I know a huge problem with yours is the R rating and the fact that it's just sort of softened its humor.
3: Yeah, I also feel like this is like one of those films that's really hard to review because it's so lukewarm. Like, it's not like it, it, it's, I wouldn't call it horrible and it's definitely not great. Um, my issue with this film is it's not funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, it, and I think that, and I said, I know it sounds crazy to say, but I think the drama in the film is actually something that actually works. Like, mm-hmm. the, the family aspect of it. The, the, I think Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall and the dramatic aspect of the family elements, that stuff worked. Also, the production value in this thing is insane. Like, it's it a good. really large scale film. Um, and you could tell they put a lot of work into it in that sense. It's just not funny. And that's the problem is like, like at the end of the day, like some of the best bits in The First Coming to America. Needed the F word. I'm mm. sorry, but like when he walks outside and the first coming to America and like talks to New York and that guy yells, "Hello, F my name <laughs> Right. That's whole, that's one of my favorite. That's my favorite joke in the whole coming to America film, the first yeah. one, and then the barbershop humor and things like that. It felt restricted, and yeah. I get why, and I understand the, the thought process on the R and the thirteen. And I don't think that you know, I don't think you need an R rating to be funny, but because of the tone set from the first one, yeah. You just expect to be in that world again. Uh, And it does feel a bit sanitized. But at the same time, PG-13 can be very... Nutty Professor is PG-13. It's one of the funniest movies of all time. Mrs. Doubtfire, one of the funniest movies of all time. I don't think Bob
0: and Star is R-rated, is it?
3: That is R, I think. Oh, is it? Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I could be wrong. Uh, I think it's R. It has to be. I'm almost, I don't it know. it has I'm, to be. There's, That's so funny. I'll I check. feel like I should know that. Please um, check.
0: I'm not sure if it is. It's one of the funniest movies I've seen in, in, yeah. in many
3: years. But at the, at the end of the day, I don't think you have to be R to be funny. So going off of what Sean says, the rating doesn't dictate what's funny. But in this movie, you can feel it. Like there's one point where Eddie Murphy literally says MFing instead of the real word. Like he yeah. actually says that out loud. Uh, and I just felt like. I don't know. In, in that sense, it's one of those films where I'm like watching it going, this, I'm not, I don't, they didn't laugh once in the yeah. whole film. I don't think, I don't remember a single joke. You bring um, up a really
0: interesting point that I didn't think about until you said it, which is, if your first movie in the franchise is horror, then you should try to maintain it, right? Yeah. But if, you, if you're PG or PG-13 the whole way through, then then you're probably okay. But it is weird. What is Barb and Star? PG-13. There you go. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so which, there you go. So, which the, I the, find surprising. Right. And it's so, infinitely funnier.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, I mean, then you, I mean, classic example of a rating, a rating flip out for me was Dark Knight. I couldn't believe that was an R-rated. Just based on the tone of it. Like, it felt like an R-rated movie. So, sure. I, I think at the end of the day, I think the rating doesn't dictate the quality of a film. But when you're sanitizing an already R-rated product um it, it, it there's something to be said about that and i think the 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 sad thing for me is that like as i watch this film i mean everybody's great in it like eddie murphy's great in it like performance wise he becomes akeem again the makeup effects are great the barbershop scenes are great it's shot well the production value is great like i'm not gonna sit here and say this movie sucks because it ha- actually i mean it has some good production value and It's and it's good filmmaking um but the script is just not funny it's not funny and that and i think at the end of the day you watch a coming to america sequel because you want to laugh i think think we it's just lukewarm
0: we'd be having a conversation about like has eddie murphy lost it if not for dolomite which came out brilliant which is also craig brewer it was really funny yes it was really funny so it's it's weird how some films just can't Hit the mark. Comedy is really tough to chase after because so the ingredients yeah. are all there. You got most of the same people who were around for coming to America and for whatever reason they couldn't find but a funny film.
3: Another reason, which is what something you said, is that I missed the New York setting. Yeah. Like that was, I mean, that is, that's what made that film so funny was like when you got to New York and you had these people who were just, li- uh, you had like, you know, uh, S- uh, Simi uh, and um, Akeem who came from a completely different world. And then they're thrusted into, like, I didn't, it wasn't, it, it's funnier to see Akeem and Simi in New York than it is to see the American cast in Zamunda. hundred percent. That's, that's really the reality of this is like and the majority, like, it's when not this story left Zimunda. New York
0: very quickly, yeah. I was like, oh, wait, we're done. Oh no. <laughs> oh Dude, no. That's do it. Do you remember
3: the tension of. James Earl Jones arriving in New York City in that yes, movie. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, it's one when of the when,
2: greatest... when R. City Hall like opens the door, sees him, and then shuts the door.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. So anyway, um, coming to America is going to be on Amazon. I I, th- I, I mean, listen, you're going to want to check it out. It's obviously a huge title, and it's got a big name cast. And it, and you watched the first one. I just think uh, we're all sort of saying the three of us are saying sort of lower. It's bad when even the blooper reel over the credits doesn't make you laugh. Mm. Uh, oh that's a great point the gag reel
3: is not funny yeah. <laughs> it's not funny and like that is like that's a great point like i didn't laugh once in the gag reel and like that is a big problem all right well um, um,
0: one person yeah. who i did like in the movie is wesley snipes i thought wesley snipes had a pretty good part i don't think any of us are going to be picking coming to america for our blend game this week which is wesley snipes blend hashtag wesley snipes blend uh jakey why don't you kick us off and tell us where you're going for your favorite all-time Wesley Snipes film. You know, I, I had to
2: sort of sit down and think about which Wesley Snipes I liked better, like action mm-hmm. or comedy. Okay, And I think I love him in comedies more um okay. i really think i like funny was because he like i was looking i was thinking about some of his comedic performances and he really makes me laugh you know you think about you know major league and and like i almost chose dolomite because i think he almost steals the movie from from eddie murphy so, he's genius so good he's not but the, the problem is with dolomite is he kind of disappears about two-thirds of the way through and it doesn't yeah. really show up um so i ended up choosing Two wong fu for oh, for, wow. uh, for, a, for Julie a couple of Neymar. reasons yeah um for a couple of reasons. One, he's brilliant in it. And when you think about that movie, when you think about the, the, the premise of that movie and that it came, back, came out in 1995, you could really easily go like, oh, I bet, I bet that movie hasn't aged well. Because, you know, the, the kind of the marketing bit was come see these famous male actors in drag. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it's uh, Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes, and John Leguizamo. Right. But that movie is one incredibly sweet and incredibly heartfelt and also was very ahead of its time and very much addressed homophobia right. and and acceptance and so you would especially a movie like that coming out in the mid 90s you would think that there would be a lot of like cheap shots mm. that would that we'd look back on and go like ooh that's not it I I'd argue it's aged incredibly well mm. um it, it, and it seemed really important to everyone involved to send the right message of, of love and acceptance, um, and also he's brilliant in it mm-hmm. in that part. You know, all three of them were great, uh, and he's incredibly funny. Uh, to to a certain degree, yes, they are playing up the bit that he's kind of playing against type because he was like he, he was in the middle of his like massive action career. Like I don't that probably wasn't that long after Demolition Man, and it wasn't that long before Blade um but it's but he but it but it's it never feels like a bit it feels Mm -hmm. real and genuine and heartfelt and and no one in the movie seems to be involved just for the sake of look at these men dressed up as women they're there to tell a story and a real story and a heartfelt story and they really very much address a lot of the aspects that that a lot of the movies and comedies at that time weren't addressing which is why so many of them have aged poorly and that one hasn't which is why i ended up choosing that one
5: that's
0: awesome, good pick. <clears throat> um, I went with a comedy as well, too. And it's weird because Wesley has such a really good action career. Mm-hmm. I think part of the reason why he's so good in action and the part of the reason why he's so good in comedy is because he has that man oozes confidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, the minute he walks on screen, he knows he's the baddest man mm-hmm. like on screen and he leans into it. Um, and I think he does that better than anyone else in um, White Man Can't Jump. I couldn't not oh, pick White Man Can't one. Jump. Good <laughs> Um, I love, so I remember seeing that movie for the very first time, and it has, it's weird to say, but it has so many surprises. Um, It plays off of your perceived notions uh, about what you think is going to happen in the film and doesn't, um, and it boils down to them being con artists. They're con men, uh, and they're going from park to park conning people. And when they realize how good Woody Harrelson is at basketball, uh, Wesley Snipes realizing that they can go around and trick other people. But the way that they play off of each other and the humor and the insults and the the playgroundness of it all is phenomenal. It's edit. It's one of the best edited basketball movies I've ever seen. Um, I mean, it look, it feels like it's moving at hundred miles per hour. Uh, Rosie Perez is fantastic in it, but that chemistry between those two, um, it, it's young and it's dirty and it feels like the, the, just the, the baked basketball courts of Southern California, like everything about it is phenomenal. Um, And, you know, back when he was doing things like Money Train and almost playing some thief elements, um, the, the people playing con games on a basketball court were so, so great. And I thought that was one of the first times that I saw another actor in Woody Harrelson match Wesley Snipes were just being incredibly cool and it was fun to see Woody sort of playing in the the country Rube that he played so often in Cheers and I think even in Doc Hollywood if he played it before he he showed up in in White Man Can't Jump such a tremendous film and uh that is my absolute favorite Wesley Snipes role and Kevin went with
3: I mean there's no question for me on this blade is the greatest performance of his entire career I would have thought Um... you
0: went demolition man but that's interesting
3: I love demolition man because of the taco bell bit, but uh, <laughs> demolition man is such a, it's such a, um, a dueling performance though. Demolition man does have one of the greatest one-liners of all time. When, um, when, uh, uh Wesley's Snipes is like frozen and then, then Sylvester Stallone says heads up and then comes down and kicks his head off. That was really good. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, Blade blew my mind when I was a kid. Um, I also don't think people realize how like that was a really big deal that that film came out was R rated. It was it was it was awesome like that before all the major MCU superhero uh, uh, vibe that we're in now. Yeah, there was an R rated Blade film which was insane, and it was Stephen Dorff was fantastic in it. I was so obsessed with Blade that I, Blade Two came out on my seventeenth birthday. It was actually the first R rated ticket I could ever legally buy. I never oh, that's felt more, fun! I never felt more proud in my life. Like I was, I got out of school and went up because this at the same movie theater that I was working at was the AMC in 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 um, Hampton Roads. They wrote me up for sneaking into R-rated movies when I worked there. Um, I got written up for sneaking in or uh, sneaking in a shadow of the vampire. Um, I'll never forget it. So to go. Have up you to the ever told, office, uh,
2: have you ever told Malkovich or uh, Willem Dafoe that? I did. I
3: told Malkovich. That's yeah, yeah, amazing. Malkovich. <laughs> um, and so uh, I walked up to the counter and bought a ticket to Blade too. Um, but so Blade in general um, is my favorite. And uh, I just think that that performance is so badass his line delivery with Christoph Chris Christofferson is so perfect. Um the some um, some MFers are always trying to ice skate uphill is one of the greatest lines ever. Um Oh my god. But what I love about Blade is that he had like he was so serious and badass, but he could also be funny. Like there were there were elements where he would like you know, he would make jokes in between kills, or like, like give a look to the, uh, to the, you know, and like I thought it was so like, if you think about the opening scene of that first film when they go into that nightclub, it's raining blood, yeah, and he has that awesome shot where he goes against the wall, and all the, and and then the vampires come across in that circle, and then he just smiles and then throws this like circular sharp object that cuts all their heads off and takes it back <laughs> into his hand i mean it was just the way he executed it like there was such an energy that he had as blade um, that was just awesome and then there was these vulnerabilities to the performance that are very interesting if you think about the beginning of the film we see his mother get bitten by a vampire um and there's an emotional groundedness to who blade is but he's so hard on the outside and we never get to see the the softness of the character but he comes through every once in a while as he's talking with chris christopherson or another character in the film so i think i think that film balanced and i think that wesley played that role so perfectly because you know even the cgi in that film still holds up when he's slicing the vampires in the in the in the um in the club scene i think the steven dorf thing at the end looks a little bad now when he like separates from his body but other than that like even Guillermo del Toro did a great job with it. Trinity was not good, unfortunately. is bad. That's uh, a really bad I love 2. Movie. I actually um, prefer
2: 2 over... I mean, they're both amazing, but I prefer 2 over 1, actually.
3: Oh, I prefer 1, but I love 2. Sure. Um, 2 is
2: fun.
0: Two Trinity little... the Ryan Reynolds one?
3: Yeah. Trinity okay. was Ryan Reynolds. With okay. the second one, okay. second one got a little little batshit for me. It was like... it I like the batshitness of it. Yeah, just how it ridiculous... Was just yeah, the vampires yeah. are
4: shitting all over the place. What's happening?
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was literally like uh, there was the villain in two. I didn't love. I love Stephen Dorff mm. in one, and I think uh, to me that's the ultimate. Like that's my Wesley Snipes movie. Um, nope. Like I mean, growing up, like that was that was that was it for me. I I mean, I love him in comedy. Major. If you ask Lauren this question, she'd say Major League. I'd yeah. love I,
4: Major League. I have a question for the group, but but uh, for Kevin because it's his pick. To me, Wesley Snipes. And Blade are one of the few uh, roles that you can't separate. Like, he mm, no. perfectly fit Blade, and it's impossible to imagine anyone else doing it. But we're getting Rehearsal <sighs> Ali.
3: Yeah. And,
4: and who
2: knows what the tone, if it's even going to feel
4: familiar to that. Are he he you better you, start
2: preparing for that junket question. I was going to say, are you excited or not? Are you excited?
3: Where do you land on? I'm not excited because of the PG-13. Yeah. Yeah, Blade is an R-rated character. Blade is a brutal character. Like va- any, like vampires in PG I'm thirteen. I'm trying to think of, is there any great but if they PG thirteen vampire. Myth? But if Marvel makes
4: their vampires super like, um, uh, what's the word like like seem super alien, they can get away with a lot of violence. Well, I'll tell you what were too. Human,
3: they're oh, like green uh, blood or
0: something. Yeah. Has yeah, everyone like, seen the most recent Wandavision? Is everyone caught up on Wandavision? Yeah. yeah we have the Salem scenes in the very beginning of the most recent episode scary led me to believe that Marvel holding a vampire film that they'll be able to embrace it and do it properly
3: but But there's nothing about that that felt R-rated
0: though I'm not saying it has to be R-rated I just want it to be scary though I want it to be in character I don't necessarily care about the rating I just want it to feel accurate
3: I see see to me Blade comes with an r-rated world like there's there's a there's a sense that when you're watching a blade film i mean dude if you think about the the best lines in the first blade film they need the f-word like the catch you efforts at a bad time and some other efforts are trying to ice skate uphill yeah. i couldn't imagine that line not being now at the same time what makes blade so great is like uh, is the the raw intensity of it like at the end of the day i think the first blade film is extremely grounded it's not it doesn't feel superhero natural it feels like we're in a living in a real world where they just happen to have vampires but Kaz- my, my, my worry would be that if it becomes supernatural you know like i don't want it to be outside the. listen i'm excited for Herschel ali i'm down to see another person play the role i have no problem being open to it but I I am a very concerned. The rating bothers me. But
0: didn't you love in the uh, Die Hard um, battery commercial that John McClane just did when <laughs> uh, the guy who played Theo tried to say uh, Yippee Kai mother, no. and then Bruce Willis cut him off and said, "That's my line." No, it didn't make you laugh. That wasn't accurate. No, not at all. That was mm. that was awful. Interesting. Um, I, I, <laughs> oh, wait, I'll it wasn't forget- Theo. No, it wasn't Theo. Wait, it was uh, it was Argyle. Sorry, my bad who
3: says it um remember in, <laughs> now i will say i loved live free die hard yeah it's great that yep, was should. pg-13 yes in an, in an r-rated story yep. um i kind of thought it was clever how they covered up the yippee ki line that with was a gunshot funny yeah um but that movie see what's interesting about live free die hard and the reason why it worked is because you can get away with a ton of violence without blood yeah. So kind of what Gabe is saying, if they if they play with it, you could still be super violent with Blade mm-hmm. if you have like green blood or like I, um, it's when you show red that you really start getting into the weeds of the NC-17, which is why my Tarantino, argument Tarantino's story on our show about Kill Bill. My,
0: my argument is that the best vampire story that I think I've arguably ever seen produced in Hollywood is Buffy the Vampire Slayer and its a television show.
3: But that's television show sure but my point is you Buffy, can do it buffy's is, pretty brutal if you uh if you go back and watch it again people turn to ashes all right is there any before we move on is there any is name me a good pg-13 vampire film I let's think go through best, some of the best
0: well i, so I think, think the best dawn. is lost boys i think the best is lost, lost boys and is are yeah
3: dust dawn dust is a bar yeah uh, uh, Interview of the Vampires are. Blade Fright Night? 1, two and three.
0: Fright Night's really great. I think that's R. R. I wonder if the remake but are, was PG thirteen. a lot of those are those R for sex
3: though. Violence. Maybe uh, there's a um, lot of sex
4: in all of those movies.
3: Maybe. Yeah, but 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 blood in general, like red. Sure, blood. but
4: these days you can get away with a lot. And like I was saying, you make them a little bit more alien than they are human. And sure. the MPAA goes, yeah, cut their heads off and show every bit of it, and it's fine because it's not a human. Right. And that's yeah. like but, the bar.
3: I challenge someone to name me a good 13 vampire movie.
0: All right, let's move on to Wesley and, and the audience picks for this. Mike the Demogorgon, uh, Rachel K.H. and Michael Breen and many others went with Demolition Man. Damian McDonald says White Man Can't Jump. Jim Mehta said Passenger, passenger 57. David Hendon said New Jack City. And then MacGuffin, Craig D, and many others went with Blade. Uh, So much participation. Thank you guys for weighing in on social media and for sending us emails. Next week, you guys will be playing along with hashtag fantasy movie blend. We're going into the genre. We're going to pick a fantasy movie. Uh, Good luck trying to define it. I guess we can go in a lot of different directions. Fantasy movie blend sci-fi
3: uh, fall into that category
4: i will so this is this is what i'll say I feel this is knows, fantasy right? movie blend we can always have a sci-fi fantasy movie blend we can always have a this that we can always have another blend where it's a little bit more narrow okay so if this is a very broad feel free to be broad
3: with my brain just went to a very random film and i want to know and this is not the movie i'm picking but when i thought of fantasy i thought of randomly because I, I guess i just watched mrs doubtfire recently because i'm thinking of robin Rob williams is what dreams may come is that a fantasy film?
0: I think so. I would would argue if you wanted to make that that case... That's and a you make movie. that movie. Find you out, out next week if that's his pick.
3: It's really no, That's well not my done. pick at all. I, I was just... It was just... I just immediately... I was like... You oh. ruined there the cliffhanger, it. Kevin.
0: <laughs> 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 or is it? Pick. I saved it. There it is. Well, in addition to uh, playing along on social media, you can email us at RealBlend at realblindedcinemamund.com. And that is where True Broadway Boy uh, sent us their review this week uh, that says, Incredible Podcast. This podcast is such a fun ride that you will not ever want to get off. I had been familiar with Jake and Kevin from their YouTube interviews for years and... And literally stumbled on this podcast a couple of months ago and binged my way through the show i'm so glad i did because i love the guy's commentary interviews and behind the scenes look at the industry i was recently very fortunate to interview sean from my podcast and he was such a delight and i felt incredibly blessed to have him on my show to represent real blend seriously if you love film or just the entertainment industry. You will love this podcast and make it part of your weekly routine. Thank you, Sean, Jake, Kevin, and Gabe for all the joy that you bring to our lives. Thank you so much for that review. Good review. True Broadway boy. Boy, that was fantastic. I also had Sean on my podcast yes you did well your podcast is a television show and many people <laughs> well, i was gonna, in gonna Chicago say watch. this i
2: was gonna say i was talking about real one oh, gotcha
0: uh we have seen a lot of great support with reviews on apple Podcasts. we have many more of these to get into upcoming episodes so if you have submitted a review to us and we haven't read it in a while we have not forgotten you we're just getting a lot of really good reviews lately however um the most important thing you can do for us is to share the show with friends and family and other followers the blender community is growing we have a really vibrant community on uh facebook and a fan group of people who pay attention to us over there there's one on reddit uh that some people are still chiming into and a lot of other people are paying for the uh real blend premium episode of which this week's one is going to be called this or that a fun game that we played once before and gabe has a couple of questions lined up for us to do from the dc version of this or that so we're gonna go Ooh. record that episode right now and if you are a premium subscriber you will get it on monday until we are back with a new episode next week do we know who we're getting next week game do we have a guest lined up again?
4: uh we have the director of coming to america
0: <laughs>
6: oh,
3: you don't
0: want to miss that <laughs> one. Mr. Craig Brewer showing
3: us. So
4: it's a great interview. It's a great interview and I will say homework. Uh it is spoiler filled. So if you if you want to watch Coming to America, the number two America, um, America. without spoilers, That's watch it this weekend you know. uh, before really we get to funny. the interview. <laughs>
3: Please tell, that, please tell me that please tell me that in our uh, this or that there's a question of Snyder or Whedon
0: subscribe to find out <laughs> okay alright we'll talk to you guys next week Larry Kropp no not, not sorry. Your, that's yeah. the, yes! the that's the, the premium success QB
2: <laughs> and also Larry
1: Crown.